0: This is Masters of Dispute Resolution on PodClips. Masters of Dispute Resolution is designed to provide those involved in the mediation process with the views of the most experienced and accomplished mediators and others experienced in the process. Through our discussions, you will gain insight into how to address and overcome difficult issues and achieve more satisfying results in mediation. Your host is Len Levy, mediator and arbitrator with ADR Services, Inc., a leading alternative dispute resolution provider. Len litigated complex cases for more than 30 years and has been a mediator since 1998 and is a member of the National Academy of Distinguished Neutrals. He has been recognized as a super lawyer in alternative dispute resolution each year since 2014. And now your host, Len Levy.
1: Thank you, Daryl. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us on Masters of Dispute Resolution, a mini-seminar which will add tools to your mediation toolbox we're brought to you by Voyers pacific insurance brokerage inc the national academy of distinguished neutrals and adr services inc uh, today we have a special guest uh she's always been special to me uh, carolyn vincent is um i've known carolyn for many many years and um she is what you might term a pioneer neutral in southern california she's she's mediated and arbitrated well over 2700 matters and probably more than that by now um and she's been a neutral for 27 years then um, and, and that's that's fantastic that that really qualifies you for pioneer status, Carolyn. <laughs> um, Carolyn brings a a broad legal background uh, from some of the California's most prestigious firms to the table, having participated both from the litigation side and transactional side, when you couple that with Carolyn's superb interpersonal skills and keen intellect. Uh, She is one of the brightest people I know. And uh, perseverance, that makes her a preferred choice for both plaintiff and defense uh, attorneys in a wide variety of practice areas. Uh, There are so many practice areas that that uh, Carolyn uh, mediates in, um, primarily uh, these days. Uh, she is uh, does business, real estate, employment, and kind of a combination of personal injury and professional liability, but has done an incredible job. Um, variety of subject matter uh, cases and subject matter disputes. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about a couple of areas that seem unrelated or maybe unrelated, but really kind of are. Um, We're going to be talking about business and we're going to be talking about real estate. And we're going to be throwing in something because as I talked with Carolyn, uh in preparation for this the thing that came to mind was a scene from the godfather where they were taking tessio away and he said i believe tell michael it was only business i liked him and uh that was when he had actually been arranging to have him assassinated so um what we're going to be getting into today is kind of a combination of uh is it business or is it personal um welcome carolyn
2: thank you len it's a pleasure to be here
1: well let's let's dive right into this um business disputes Uh, Business disputes can be very, very messy, Um, and they can be as messy as marital divorces, Uh, and sometimes even messier. Um, uh, And uh, is there a type of business dispute that stands out uh, that is particularly common? I mean, things like uh, disillusions or other types of, of business disputes.
2: Well, there's such a, a wide range. It's hard to say uh, in particular, but we talked today about some of the intersection of the people and, and the business disputes. Um, and in those cases, you see a lot of um, breakup issues for a variety of reasons. They may or may not have a familial relationship with their people that are in business together. And uh, especially, in well, not even just in small businesses, even in the very large businesses, sometimes the People are more paying attention to the people and what they are feeling about the dispute and what they are wanting and their emotions is sometimes the key to unraveling all the other disputes that they're talking about as the dispute. Uh, So I'd say business dissolutions, business sales, shareholder disputes, and then you might have um, some types of family disputes where people are maybe uh, there's a partition action for example in real estate that's a very common scenario where you have this intersection but the types of cases i've done you know runs the gamut of all the different kinds of things that are businesses Um, sometimes they're import export and you're dealing with invoices and who owes who what money and shipping receipts um, and and you have to bring well, you know, I always suggest, and they do, bring their accountants to the table. So you have a conversation with the accountants.
1: <laughs> well, t- t- speaking about conversations, uh, one of the things I think you do on a regular basis is prior to a mediation hearing, you will have a conversation with uh, the attorneys uh, and um the, some of the, those conversations will reveal things that might not be included in a brief. Can you comment on the value of that? And talk generally about preparation, both on your end and the attorney's end.
2: Well, the value of pre- preparation is the value. The whole, the whole case has a maximized opportunity to resolve when the attorneys are prepared. And if I'm lucky, people book me a couple weeks in advance or more, and I'm able to get a phone call either with them individually or together, that's their choice, but I immediately set that up. And first of all, we talk about exchange of key information that each side needs. And I would say attorneys are much more willing to do that, but that's so important, um, especially in these business and real estate matters. I know in some cases, the attorneys don't like to exchange information with the other side so we have a conversation with you i have a conversation Right? well is if it's important for them to make a decision then we need to find a way to do that i recommend but it's always the choice of the attorney um sometimes and recently um i've had lawyers bring their clients to preparation calls which is really helpful i just did a a, a long-term relationship property entanglement dispute and, and one side one of the parties attended which was fantastic because It's all about preparation and what do we need to bring, to share with the other side and bring to the mediation. Sometimes people feel that the point of a mediation call with a mediator is to educate the mediator. Well, that's a byproduct of what you're really preparing for which is to educate the other side and convince them of the facts as you see them and the case law as you see it in advance. So they have a time to digest it.
1: And sometimes it, it requires a, uh, a kind of a sorting out of who's going to be there, who's necessary. You you mentioned having accountants there sometimes. Um, when we prepare for mediation, we're going to have to know as mediators who will be there, what they're likely to contribute, um, and some in some instances maybe. Uh, likely to take away from the uh, ability to settle the case. Um, We're going to be taking a break now. Uh, You're listening to Masters of Dispute Resolution. Our guest is Carolyn Vincent. And we're chatting about things business and things personal.
0: Masters of Dispute Resolution would like to thank ADR Services Incorporated, your partner in Resolution, and its founder Lucy Barron for supporting this podcast. ADR Services is one of the leading providers of alternative dispute resolution in California. Leveraging technology to drive resolution, ADR Services is committed to dynamism in the face of growing client need and an ever-evolving legal climate. Now operating offices in all major legal markets of California, ADR Services provides unparalleled in-person and remote resolution services through its exclusive panel comprised of more than 130 of the most distinguished and talented neutrals across the state, capable of handling challenging and complex mediations, arbitration, and other procedures in every field of law. When you seek the services of a neutral and you want results and satisfied clients, contact ADR Services, www.adrservices.com.
1: Welcome back to Masters of Dispute Resolution, and we are chatting with Carolyn Vincent. Uh, when we broke, uh, we were talking about having the right people, having the wrong people at mediation, and how the pre-mediation call will help uh, business matters. Carolyn, can you expand on that a little bit? Uh,
2: sure, that's a, an important uh, topic bringing the decision makers is really important in business disputes you might have a large company and you need to bring the person that's making the decision or is close to the person making the decision and when it comes to interpersonal or or maybe smaller disputes that involve not so much a corporation but people that are in business disputes for one reason or another um, you obviously need to bring the people that are in the dispute because they're the decision makers uh, their lawyers, of course, will be also attending. And sometimes people need, uh, support people. Um, but sometimes support people to me is a buzzword for an interloper <laughs> <laughs> or, or an influencer that might not really help the decision maker, but be distracted. That, that could be the wrong kind of person. So in a preparation call, especially if I'm just speaking with a lawyer uh, or 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 if the person is there with me, the party that's attending, can have an opportunity to talk with them about if they're going to bring anybody else and what they might contribute. And, you know, explore a little more about their relationship and, and what may or may not happen there. I think I think in the age of Zoom, this problem has been less prevalent um, in the age of uh, in-person mediation. Sometimes those interlopers are hard to um, keep away from the process. And sometimes in Zoom, it's easier. I don't know. It's hard to explain that. But um, because you can always ask the lawyer separately to try to separate people if needed. So I'm a big fan of support and support people in terms of decision making. The other thing that's important is to bring the people that have the facts. If it's a complex case, and I do many of those, Such as post uh, merger price adjustments with all types of issues and, and, uh, you know, different departments and accounting uh, errors or mistakes or failure to um, address an employment count. There's so many things that can happen. Then you really need to bring accountants or the accounting staff person for each side. And that can involve really going through the books and going through a series of mini mediations in a way over several topic areas that have large dollar amounts with them. So that's a different kind of preparation.
1: Well, you know, one of the things that you that you bring up, and you brought up a lot of things that I I could I could ask a thousand questions about. can you give an example of where an interloper has had to be, let's say, excluded or somehow neutralized?
2: I was thinking of a couple of situations. Well, first of all, sometimes the so-called interloper is just is a spouse, but it's an individual case or a good friend or a cousin or a neighbor. I mean, it can be all kinds of people. And the person that owns the dispute, let's say that's um, uh, Jim owns the dispute. and Mary is, I'm just going to call them the interloper, but they're a support person that's there because either they've, you know, decided they're important or Jim wants their advice. But what happens is they start taking over the process. and they start, say, no, that's not okay, when Jim says something's okay. <laughs> and no, it has to be this way. So now there's a dispute between them. So, you know, the remedy for that is to really have a conversation the best you can uh, with everyone there. Presumably, there's a lawyer there. There's not always lawyers in these disputes. Sometimes people come in what we call poker. But it's to really, now you have to address the interloper and find out more and it, about why they feel the way they do and what their interests and concerns are. Um, and that requires using our great mediation skills. I know you have, Leonard, we've been around a long time in this field, which is active listening and acknowledgement. And you have to validate them and really listen to what they have to say. And then, you know, you, you can talk with the, uh, Jim and find out from Jim, uh, you know, what, what, what his interests are and his concerns. And if there's a dispute between them, you can acknowledge that. And, and maybe maybe let it be, but at least, you know, you're trying to find a way to move forward without a constant interruption.
1: Well, one of the things that one of the great values of having that pre-mediation uh, conversation is that the attorneys and I, what I found is that having a, a private conversation with an attorney on, on the side yields information that is really much much more valuable than some of the things that are put in briefs uh, and there are there are times when uh I've had to say to to attorneys well look if there's somebody there that's that's calling the shots who really isn't involved in the dispute other than being the friend of um, uh, Let's talk about how we're going to be handling that. Uh, that that kind of preparation is is very helpful to me, and, and I'm sure for you as well.
2: That's exactly right. And you know, attorneys do well by their clients to be upfront with the mediator, especially when they trust them and they know them, and you know, let them know what the dynamics are, so the mediator and the attorney can help craft a solution. So i found attorneys are so much easier to work with now than they were in the early days of mediation when they had that trial mindset um, and now they i think attorneys uh, well recognize the importance of giving their clients an opportunity to resolve a case
1: you know that that's one of the things that uh that there's still some some vestiges of uh resistance for, yes. for, uh, about well, my client isn't going to talk to you. I'm talking to you, uh, and sometimes that uh, that creates an impediment. Uh, have Have you had that experience?
2: Well, that is a very common scenario in employment matters, especially on the on the plaintiff side, and sometimes on the defense side too, because they're they're um, they might have an insurance representative, and they tend to be more protective. It depends on the attorney and the and the insurance representative. Um, it, it's easier to have a conversation with all the parties in defense than the plaintiff side. Also, sometimes in personal injury, although not as much, but I find it in employment. And when that happens, then you have to really just speak with the attorney and help them convey the messages to the clients.
1: When you are dealing with uh, people who have a long history, who are business partners. Um, sometimes uh, those those kinds of things, those kinds of disputes can be even more personal than marital disputes. Now, I know you have in the past uh, mediated uh, marital disputes. So you're, I think, in a very unique position to comment on that.
2: People with long histories together, especially marital or friends or siblings, especially siblings there have done a lot of sibling business and real estate disputes recently. Uh, they do have a long history and their history involves a lot of what, what I might, we might term emotional baggage, emotional issues, relationship issues that they bring to the dispute. And so it can be difficult to separate. Their in you know their internal conflicts with the the bigger picture of what they would like to do and it's all tangled up for them. So uh, in those kinds of cases, uh, depending if there is an attorney involved or not, of course we speak with the attorneys um, about how they see the approach. But it can be very valuable for them for the mediator to speak with them either separately and which is good and help them identify uh what it is they want and also you know, if possible you can help them identify maybe some of the behaviors and habits and past um, upset that might be preventing them from moving forward or help them look at the stress of a trial coming up and one of the things i like to to um, offer in certain kinds of cases and this would be maybe more of a probate Uh, dispute where we're dividing that money and there's brothers and sisters and and they're they're not agreeing they hate each other they don't want to sit together in the room Um, and sometimes they've had success either through the attorney or maybe I'll I had one case where I, I knew the sisters wanted. So, to have- Carolyn,
1: Carolyn, I, I hate to interrupt you, but we are, we need to take a break. Okay. But And so we're going to get into that example when we come back. You're listening to Masters of Dispute Resolution. Uh, our guest is Carolyn Vincent, and this is a
3: talk about business, real estate, and other matters. Most attorneys need professional liability coverage, but very few are professional liability experts. And there are so many options when it comes to legal malpractice insurance. How do you know how much coverage you need? What should your policy limits be? What if you've had a past claim? You shouldn't have to take time away from helping your clients to research professional liability coverage. And with Lawyers Pacific Insurance Brokerage on your side, you don't need to. Their professional liability experts shop California's leading insurance carriers to find your firm the right coverage at the best price. Lawyers Pacific founders Al and Debbie Hernandez have over 50 years combined experience working with the highest rated providers of Lawyers Professional Liability Insurance. So trust the brokerage with access to over 40 carriers in California to find a cost effective malpractice insurance solution for your firm. Go to LawyersPacific.com and click Request a Quote.
1: Welcome back to Masters of Dispute Resolution. I'm chatting with Carolyn Vincent about a variety of matters, uh, including uh, disputes, business and personal. and. Carolyn, you were about to give an example when I cut you off. (laughs) Could you explain?
2: I was. Thank you. Uh, The example I had in mind of um, healing some interpersonal relationships involved a probate matter I was helping with. And there were sisters in different rooms in the mediation. And they hadn't spoken to each other in a long time. And I asked in one of the rooms whether you know the sisters might be willing to speak with each other maybe later at the end of the mediation. And I think the attorney on one side said, no, that can't happen or you know something uh, prohibitive like that. And I, I didn't take that any further. I asked the same question in the other room and I got a little bit of a similar answer, but there was a little more openness in the other room to have that occur. But understandably, the lawyers were concerned, and, and I acknowledge that, that, that they didn't really want their strategy for trying to resolve uh, mostly a monetary matter in probate disputes, um, dividing up assets and and looking at potential fraud issues and you know really difficult issues. They don't really want the parties speaking to each other <laughs> and interrupting their strategy, and I appreciate that. Um, however, it turned out At the end, I ran into one of the um, women on the way to the restroom. This is back when we had live mediations. This would be very hard to pull off in Zoom, by the way. And and she was very interested. She was the one that originally wasn't, but she was interested in meeting her sister. Then I went and got the other sister, and we went to a, a room far away, and we had a conversation. And really what I did was I, invited them to speak with each other. And I really just literally pulled my chair back and let them talk to each other. And there were tears and apologies and and a beautiful reconciliation. So I think that's a very rewarding thing for a mediator to do, I've done it many times. Um, but I just say to, to, to lawyers, you know, please be on the outlook for helping your clients resolve their emotional issues. And, you know, again, not necessarily at the beginning of the case, but you could. But certainly at the end, you know, be, be willing to allow that so they don't have to <laughs> surreptitiously uh, have a conversation at the mediation.
1: Well, what, what you've described is the difference between settling a case and resolving a conflict. And uh, if if uh, I, I, I kind of look at the higher calling as resolving the conflict, uh, let's let's see if we can make these people's help make these people's lives a, a bit better after all of this is over uh, and, and sometimes leaving unresolved issues uh, prevents that from happening.
2: That's right, uh, it, having, un, having litigation pending over you creates an amazing emotional distress, distrust and it, it's a huge, uh, uh, it takes a huge amount of everybody's time. It's very, very distracting for everyone. Uh, so having a healing afterward is, a, is really a very beneficial thing for the participants to be able to do. I was thinking of another case um, where, it was an employment case and um, in this particular case, it was a very tough call for the employee to make a decision about an offer that was on the table. And I had spoken with the attorney without the cl- her, his client there many times about what I could do to help. And I did something I rarely do. I'd spent a lot of time with this client and I wrote a letter to her about the pros and the cons and how much I validated her decision not to accept the settlement. And I said, and then I talked about the stress and her situation and what other things she might be able to do in her life. And I did it in a very non-confrontational, non-directive, non, non, you know, um, um, I don't want to say advisory way. Just, uh, you know, just, I'm writing you a letter because I've made these observations. I, you know, this may or may not be helpful, but you know, you've made your decision, but I just want you to consider these things. And a couple of days later, I didn't expect it, but she settled the case along those lines. So that's another thing that a mediator can bring to the table in certain cases. Um, and working with attorneys to help find a way to address the emotional needs and the stress and the other things the clients are going to through by letting them, by giving them a real opportunity to make a decision. And it brings to mind another tool that I've used in, um, which is to help attorneys make a matrix when it's just about money, kind of make a matrix of what we might get in trial, which is what they're always hoping for, and what we might we might get right now, and what the bottom line is in terms of the costs, right? So, and, the, and the trial fees and whatnot. So sometimes the attorneys um, can do more to help their clients make decisions that help them look at their options, which include as well emotional issues, which we're talking about more today.
1: Well, you've just hit on something that is, that's very important and very often overlooked. And that is the emotional intelligence that a mediator can bring to the dispute. Uh, And I'm not saying that attorneys lack Emotional intelligence, but I'm saying that if you're in a litigation mindset, um, it is more difficult to think in terms of uh, in terms of what emotions might be driving that conflict. Is that correct?
2: Yes, I think that's right. It was certainly the person, the, the plaintiff or defendant, is all tangled up. But I think the attorneys, um, I don't know that they lose sight of it. I think we as mediators could do more to educate attorneys about tools and techniques they could use to help their clients make decisions that acknowledge both the emotional side of it and the financial side.
1: One of the things that I think might be a clue for attorneys to pick up on is if you have, and I'm going to ask you for your comment on am I am I off base or not off base here. Um, if you have a dispute, a business dispute, for example, where you have a very successful small business and that very successful small business is being jeopardized. The operation, the continued operation of it is being jeopardized by the dispute between two people and it looks like that you've got two people who are perfectly willing to kill the goose that's laying the golden egg. Um, that might be a clue that there might be an, an emotional element that needs to be dealt with. Am I, am I correct? Or well, often? You're,
2: you're, you're absolutely right and you bring to mind an example I mentioned early in this podcast about Uh, bringing your client to the preparation call, Mm -hmm. getting your client engaged right at the beginning in the process.
1: We're going to take a break now. I'm chatting with Carolyn Vincent about things business and personal, Uh, and uh, we're going to be getting into a little bit of uh, an idea of of real estate and business and family uh, all being mixed into one and the problems that Carolyn has seen in her years as a mediator.
4: We'll be back. Masters of Dispute Resolution is sponsored by the National Academy of Distinguished Neutrals. NADN is the premier invitation-only association of civil mediators and arbitrators in the United States, with members in every state of the nation. Only experienced ADR professionals who are widely acceptable to local plaintiff and defense firms are invited to join the Academy's roster. The Academy's website, NADN.org is the most widely visited neutrals database in the world today, with over 40,000 law offices, insurance companies and corporations visiting our free website annually. Firms can search for neutrals by many criteria including location, case expertise, qualifications, language skills and most NADN members also publish their available dates, calendars online making NADN.org the go-to website for law firms wishing to schedule appointments online with their preferred mediators. For more information, please visit www.nadn.org today.
1: Welcome back to Masters of Dispute Resolution. I'm Len Levy and we're chatting with Carolyn Vincent about a variety of things relating to business personal issues and real estate, and we're just about to get into uh, the the last segment here on real estate and family uh, owning a piece of property that, that may be part of a business venture. They, they all kind of come together at, at some point, right? Correct. So... What, what have you seen uh, that attorneys should perhaps look for when you're dealing with siblings? And I, I'm, I'm going to be, you gave one example with, the, with uh, the, the probate matter, but when you're dealing with siblings and there has to be, for example, a partition, uh, uh, of real estate, uh, I, I I had one a number of years ago um, where, for some reason, the parties decided to, there was a, an existing house. They decided to build the second house for the for the other brother and his wife to live in, but decided not to put a kitchen in because the two wives could share a kitchen. Um, recipe for disaster, I think. So. Uh, exactly. <laughs> No pun intended. Well, actually, maybe that was a great pun. <laughs> right? But uh, have have you dealt with things relating to siblings and and partition actions that that you might be able to give us an example of?
2: Um, sure, many many partition actions involve and in, and also matters involving siblings. So I think the the. The example that comes to mind was uh, recently some family members had had a house, and one of the um, one of the, I think it was a nephew had um, lent money on a deed of trust, and the deed of trust wasn't either getting paid off in time. I can't recall exactly, or it 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 needed to be repaid. It was the deadline to repay it and refinance it, and you know, the the aunts and uncles that were were in the house didn't really have the means to do that or willingness to do that. And also the nephew had been using the house for some business. And it was, you know, a tangled um, series of relationships and who paid for this and who was supposed to pay for that and the tax bills hadn't been paid. So it started with really... An inventory and a sharing of documents about what was going on and what were the values of the house, and then it evolved into a series of you know options and exploration and what, how to possibly refinance it or or look for another sell sell the house and look for another place to live, which I think is what they I can't even remember now what they ultimately did, but. Um, part of what I did there, besides the active listening that we do as mediators in you know each side's room and really hear them out and validate what they have to say, which is an interesting concept because they often don't agree, but you just validate what they have to say in the room. Um, but what what the a tool that really worked in this particular case was to develop points of agreement or tentative agreements that they could then take with them to uh, uh, each other or the other room or, or follow up on and they had we created a to-do list for each person to do and we, I put that together by going back and forth in the room and seeing what people would agree to. So that was an interesting type of a collaboration with family members as a tool to how to go through a difficult entangled process. Like you said, it's like the wives who had one kitchen that's just going to create conflict. And there was a lot of conflict here that could easily interrupt the solution. And they weren't able to solve it right away, but they were given a to-do list and some options. And through a series of follow-ups, I think there was another live mediation uh, with the mediator and a series of follow-ups with the attorneys, they finally did come to a resolution. And so I think that was an interesting example of how creating written Um, to-do list. And also another thing I want to mention that didn't happen in this case but can happen in in other cases is to help the parties with the attorneys draft a form of settlement agreement with some of these terms in it dated as of a certain date and have them have it to look at and contemplate the end. It's a way to resolve it. And I also recommend that attorneys uh, do something that's common in real estate purchases and sales which is to send an agreement signed by your client to the other side with a number in it, and that's an offer that's available for a week or two weeks. It's an irrevocable offer, just like you would do in a real estate purchase and sale. And that has proved to be a successful way to either resolve the case on the terms that were submitted or to help the people recognize that they have these tools to continue to use to settle the case. It keeps them thinking about the end game and resolution.
1: Well, it also gives them a starting point. I mean, there's there's something concrete to either reject or uh, counter. Uh, and uh, that that is very, very helpful. One of the things that I have found, one of the techniques that, that I have used, and in, admittedly very rarely, uh, is the concept of the single negotiating text. And... Um, Uh, What what that what what basically what that has has uh, entailed is um, the parties will talk to the mediator and uh, they will uh, and the mediator will draft something that could be the start of a, a conversation. Uh, then each side will go back and forth. It will go back and say, "Well, I can't live with this or that or the other thing," and then the mediator drafts another thing until another agreement. Until they finally have an agreement that there are no objections to. Uh, now I know there's a. I don't. I don't want to open a whole can of worms about drafting the agreement and the mediator's role and things of that nature because. I generally avoid that, but at times within a mediation, uh, that's a technique that that I've used. H- have you used that uh, concept? In
2: in, uh, in 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 a way, I do think you have to build on agreements. And one of the things I would throw in that I would do in, in a, this relation, this case that I'm describing uh, now, is to find out what family weddings and events are not being attended now because of this dispute. (laughs) I don't frame it that way, but, and find out, oh, well, would you like to see your cousins or your nephews and nieces? And, you know, I kind of give them another reason to to resolve it. So it's a similar idea, but yes, I've certainly things like anti-defamation clauses or things that, you know, I would work with separately. Uh, but yes, building building agreements I think is a way to get people um, engaged in resolving the entire dispute.
1: Well, you know, what? one of the things that we as a society have somehow gotten away from is the ability to agree to facts at times uh, and the ag- agreement and understanding where the agreement is on facts and where it's not even, where it's not necessary to agree on facts, but you can resolve the you can resolve the dispute. Uh, you don't, for example, in a traffic accident, have to have somebody admit that they did something wrong. Uh, you know, or ran a red light uh, to get the case resolved. So, not every fact needs to be resolved, but there are times when when the facts, um, if, if there's a disagreement on what happened sometimes that has to be addressed as well, right? Correct. <laughs> That's right. OK, well, look, we are we are just about at the end of our time here. Um, I, Carolyn, this is this has been fantastic. I know it's gone very fast, gone very fast with me. Uh, it, for me, I, I, I mean, I, I, I feel like we just started. Um, and I, I hope to have you back as a guest in the future, if that's all right with you. would love to. Good. Good. So um, as, as we wrap up, uh, uh, can you please tell us where uh, people who want to engage you for mediation services uh, can, can best contact you?
2: Yes, through um, ADR Services at uh, www.adrservices.com. Or you can send me an email at cvincent, V-I-N-C-E-N-T, at ADRservices.com. Or you can call me on my cell phone, 310-617-2042. I also have a case manager at ADR Services, uh, which you'll find on my email, but Sasha Savoyan is my current case manager.
1: Well, that's, that's great, Carolyn. Thank you. And uh, I will hopefully see you very, very soon in person. Um, and um, I thank you, Daryl Wayne, uh, my engineer and producer. And uh, I'm Len Levy. This is Masters of Dispute Resolution on podclips.io, powered by Infogen Labs, Inc. Uh, and until our next session, Remember, stay well, keep listening, and keep in mind that peace of mind is enhanced when conflicts are
0: resolved. If you wish to contact Len Levy, you can reach him through his email at lslevy at adrservices.com, through Len's website, lenlevymediate.com, telephone him at 818-903-5562, or contact his case manager at ADR Services, 213-683-1600.